This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hey guys, this is the sexy co-host talking. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties on this episode, and one of our microphones was not recording the entire session. We didn't have time to record a new episode, so we decided to patch up the audio the best we can and release it anyway. So if you're wondering why it sounds like a wiretap on an undercover FBI agent trying to get information on a cartel boss, it's because we only had one microphone recording. We apologize for the subpar quality, but we hope you enjoy the episode anyway. Hello and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other all about it. Will it be bad? Will it be good? Who knows? Let's find out. Jeremy Irons. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because you know what book we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Gotten it if I didn't, if you didn't know the book. Uh, I would have guessed uh, Russell Crowe. That would have been fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. They, they have a very similar gravel. Right. But Jeremy Irons turns it up to 11 in this particular film. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is based on this book. Um, so, my name, you're going to want to write this down. Oh, God. I don't, I don't have anything to write with. Okay, I'll tell you at the end. My name is Atraeser Neonotheldewin. Kasuntite. Yep. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Moraner Lifa Unenhjarta Unar. Jesus Christ. <laughs> my name is May the Stars Watch Over You, and your name is May the Peace, uh, May Peace Live in Your Heart. Cool. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing all right. A uh, little hungry, but uh, hungry. When, am, when am I not hungry? That's, yeah. that's the real reality there, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Um. I'm going to do things a little bit differently in the format of this episode. I'm okay. I'll give you a basic plot rundown of this book. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and I want you to pretend like I didn't tell you what it is and see if you can guess what book it is. Okay. And, and for the audience, <laughs> see if this sounds familiar at all. A young farm boy, through a series of circumstances, finds something that belonged to a princess who is rebelling from the empire. This leads the empire's servants to him and they massacre his family, but the boy is saved by an old man from an old order who offers to teach him the ways of a magic system while taking him to the rebellion. On their way, the old man dies and a plucky outsider roguelike character joins the party and they decide through another series of circumstances to rescue the princess from the, uh, from the beginning of the, of the movie. Okay. A chase ensues wherein the heroes are followed by the enemy right to the gates of the rebel base and then a battle follows shortly after uh, we see the hero grow and mature into a true warrior who trusts his heart. So that sounds a lot like To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atticus Finch, like when he kicked the bucket halfway through the book, I yeah. was shocked. Uh, no, that, I, seriously, that sounds like Star Wars. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it sounds like Star Wars A New Hope. But I know it's not Star Wars. You know it's not. Right. Um, and maybe they've pieced together based on the words that I used, the names that I used, and uh, the accent and the impression that I did. But I don't think anyone remembers this film exists. No, probably not. Yeah. We did a commentary on it. We did do a commentary. It was a fun commentary. Too. It was. It, it was not. I wouldn't say it was a bad film. It was just forgettable. Yeah, there was just nothing spectacular about it. Yeah, it was very meh. And you can tell, like, there were some parts where you could tell they cut scenes. To mm-hmm. time, And they probably could have benefited. But... Um, now, I mean, that is also kind of the basic hero's journey right? Yeah. as well, which is what Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also plot point for plot point, Star Wars A New Hope. Um, but that is not the book I read. I read Aragon by Christopher Paolini. God, my stock's rumbling. Yeah, it is. I hope that didn't come through. <laughs> uh, as of April 26, 2005, it is 528 pages long. That's a book. It's a chonker of a book. Yeah. And I did not read that book this week. Um, <laughs> well, you don't have to. I don't have to. I did actually read part of the book this week, but I didn't right. pick up a brand new 528-page book, read it in a week, and then have it for the show. Right, right, right. I summarized this book for the April Fool's joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I already had... Go get some food. No, it's going to take too long. Okay. Uh, so I had this for the April Fool's episode. I couldn't, for the life of me, find a book this week and I wanted uh, that I wanted to bring myself to review. Right. Um... So I figured we just did a commentary on the film last month, month before. It was fairly recent, yeah. yeah. Why not give this book a proper go? When I found this book, I read it 12 times. Yeah, in yeah. a year. Wow. <laughs> I found this book in seventh grade. Uh-huh. And I read it 12 times. I read it once a month for that year. Wow. And then I have read it probably 35 to 40 times since. Right, right. Okay. Yep. Um, in the past three years, I've used the Audible app, and I keep bookmarks in the Audible app. Right. And whenever I finish a book, I bookmark the day that I finished it. And I have, I think, five different bookmarks of the times that I've finished this book. Wow. In the last three years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love this book. The rest of the series, take it or leave it. 
this book is is comfort to me. It's like eating macaroni and cheese. It's right, like, right, right. Well, uh, I'm, it's refreshing to talk about a good book for once. Yeah, exactly. That's what I figured too. Like we've done so many. We started this podcast with the premise of doing weird and wacky books that no one yeah. read, and that can drain on you a little bit. It, it can. It really can. You know, you finish a donatology and you're like, what's the point anymore? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> so we're we are going to be uh we're gonna be doing this book we are going to figure when i say it now we are going to be taking a hiatus uh, yeah yeah we are mm-hmm. in a few weeks we'll have we'll have a few more episodes i think we're going to try and finish out june maybe the first week of July, we we, on. we really want to just hit 50 yeah. it just so it's nice and round and then we'll go on hiatus yep. uh and it's uh it won't, we won't go into detail but it's just extenuating circumstances in our lives yeah, uh yeah. it's just some things are changing some people are moving around so yeah we are going to be taking a break we don't know how long the plan is a month maybe two hopefully um but we're not sure but uh but yeah we will come back uh, mm-hmm. maybe a slightly different format maybe not but we'll see right um here is the cover of the book and this is the same for every cover. I, I, I've seen this cover a you lot. Have. You have. Uh, just everywhere. <laughs> like, it's a very, very popular book. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, it's a very cool interpretation of a dragon. I'm always down for dragons that look uh, a little bit different from the traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the little antennae on it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what you'd call that, but uh, that's cool. That's good enough for me. Very cool, very cool. I did make a joke about uh, how you're doing the book we did for the April Fools episode. Nice. Don't expect me to do it, seriously. <laughs> like no no way. It would take it would take a month to record, let alone the time yes. to research and actually notate. Yeah, no. If if I did it in chronological order, it would literally take me like four or five episodes just to cover everything. Yeah. So uh yeah. don't hold your breath. That's not happening. Yeah. Is there any is there any fairies of uh, f- uh, fucking dragons in this book? No, no, there are no fairies in this book. Man. Yeah. Okay. Do, do, are there any dragons fucking cars? No, there's no cars. No. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, there's one scene where, where a dragon communicates telepathically with somebody who's in the middle of coitus with their new Oh, my God. Okay. Um, but the dragon just, like, doesn't know what's going on. Oh no! So she's like, hey, hey, yeah. I mean, I need your help. Like, can you come? Can you come help me? And the guy's like, I'm, Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little busy at the moment. Give me, give me a few minutes. Oh my god! It's very wholesomely done, but that's good. It's, it's there. Like, if you know, you know. Right. I, I was afraid it might be like some, some innocent, like a dragon tapping into its rider's thoughts when he's riding. Yeah. It's like a little child busting into his parents' room. Yeah, it might yeah, scar yeah, yeah. the dragon or something. No, it's nothing like that. And, and I mean, the, I think I think the dragon knows what's going on, but she just doesn't care because she's a dragon. Right. Do dragons reproduce that way? No one knows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I know he gets, say. there's dragon eggs. There so, are eggs. Yeah. And there are male and female dragons. So, <clears throat> without further ado, let's dive into Aragon, The Inheritance Cycle, Book One. Prologue, Shade of Fear. Villain's perspective. The villain is a shade. We don't know what that is yet. Okay. Um, but I'm going to tell you what that is because I don't remember when it explains it. Okay. It is in this book. But a shade is somebody who can use magic okay. to summon spirits. Those spirits give him extraordinary power. The only spirits that would want to be summoned are evil spirits, generally speaking. Okay. And the stronger the evil spirit, the less chance that the person can control it. Right, it's like Pokemon. Exactly. So the, when the spirit takes over the person, that's a shade. Oh, okay. Controlling a person. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah. Um, so nothing this villain does is really his fault. Except for summoning them in the first place. That's true. Okay. Later on in the books, you get sympathy for him, but like, <laughs> it, just doesn't, it doesn't track for me. Right, right. Yeah. Because um, he summons them to get revenge because some raiders slaughtered his family, but he misjudges the spirit and then loses control. Uh-huh. And that's how he's born. But like, he's already dead at that point. So right. I don't care. Yeah. He is setting up an ambush. Uh, and this is something you've seen them in the film, Urgles. Yes. They look like men with beards, right? I barely. Lots of eye makeup. I barely remember them, actually. Yeah, that's what they look like. <laughs> okay. That's not what they look like. Okay. Uh, picture an orc, but not a Lord of the Rings orc. A World of Warcraft orc. Okay. So they're huge. They're beefy. They have horns on their heads. Right. And they're gray, not green. Gray. Okay. Gray skin. That's an Urgle. They are a tribe of nomadic monsters, basically. Okay. Um, there's many different tribes, many different uh, places, but everywhere they go, humans hate them because they're a warring people, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So this shade is running an army of Urgles, and they're ambushing a few elves. 
Okay. We don't know why. We know the elves have something that they want. One of the elves pulls out a stone, and before she falls unconscious, uh, because of the ambush, they knock her unconscious. Okay. She teleports the stone away. Don't know where. Is this uh, like a Lord of the Rings type elf? Yes, actually. Okay. Gotcha. The fair folk. Yeah. There's a line in there. It's like, why are they called the fair folk? But they don't actually, nobody refers to them as the fair folk. It's just a question that one of the, one of the guys asked. Okay. Why are they called the fair folk? But like nobody ever uses that term. Um, (laughs) And I think that was just like the Lord of the Rings seeping in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd like to imagine that instead, like her teleporting is just yeeting the the stone. Yeah. She's just like, teleport! And it just goes flying over a tree and then lands like 50 feet away. And the guy's like, where'd it go? Yeah. <laughs> this witch is using magic to teleport her stones. She does, the thing. she does the thing like you do with a dog where you have the toy, you throw it behind your back real quick. I mean, I guess Urgles wouldn't be that smart. Maybe no, I'm wrong. Not. Okay. They're not. They're, they're, they're not stupid, but they're not educated. Right, right. That's a lot of Americans. They're not stupid. They're just not educated. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a lot of Americans who are stupid. Yes. That too. That is. Yeah. 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 Educated doesn't mean you're not stupid. Yeah. Um, so miles away hunting in the spine. The spine is a mountain range. Okay. There is a young farm boy named Aragon. (gasps) (gasps) They did the thing. It's almost like it's his book. He says, uncle Owen and Baru. It's uh, such a whiny little bitch. It's Uncle Garrow. Garrow, okay. Which I think is a cool name. That's the villain in One Punch Man. Is it? Yeah. He's hunting in the spine. He's tracking a deer, trying to get food for his family. Okay. Uh, Is he hunting a big cat with an axe? No, (laughs) and I don't get that. But I'm assuming it's a One Punch thing. No, the Taily Poe. Oh. You told me about the tailor pole. The guy was yeah. hunting him with an axe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I forgot. What <laughs> Which is asinine. <laughs> yeah. In some in some books, he has a shotgun, but in the one I read, he had an axe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he goes to fire at the deer when all of a sudden, as he fires, an explosion shatters the night. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That's a direct line from the book. And in a flaming crater, a little egg appears. Okay. Yeah. About the size of your forearm uh, in length. Okay. I say little. It's actually pretty big. And also, yes, it is an egg. I uh, I jumped the gun a bit there, but I wasn't going to hide it anyway. You said stone, but it's an egg. And yeah. that that's, yeah. I mean, I guessed it was anyway. It's the same thing because, you because you've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah. It is an egg. Uh, he doesn't know that, though. So he, the deer run away and he runs out of rations. He's like, okay, I got to get back now. Like, right. This is, it. this is my chance. But maybe I can use the egg and trade it for some meat in town. Mm-hmm. So he goes back. Uh, there's a beautiful panoramic shot of the of the valley where he lives, and it like it's very descriptive and it's very pretty. It, picture beautiful countryside village next to the mountains with a waterfall. Cool, perfect. Except the mountains are haunted; nobody ever goes in there. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's rumored that the king took all of his army into the mountains once and lost half of it. No one knows why. So he goes to a butcher, and the butcher his name is Sloan, which is just like it's a good name. It's a good name, but it's like a very spiteful name. Is Sloan. it? Sloan? Sloan. I guess. Who names their kid Sloan? You want that kid to get punched. <laughs> and he's a dick. Okay, well, it fits. Yeah. It fits. He's like, you don't have money. I'm not going to trade you meat for that stone. Is, is that dickish, though? Like, he just doesn't see value in it. He's also just mean. Okay. Jesus, you're the <laughs> I haven't eaten today either. <laughs> no, he finds out the stone was found in the spine, and then he's like, no, I'm absolutely not. I'm not going to touch it. It's haunted as shit. Yeah, but he's also like, when Aragon walks in, he's like, oh, look at the little farm boy returning to bless the rest of us. Mm, or the okay. hunter, rather. Returning to bless the rest of us with his presence. What did you catch? It's like Bugs Bunny calling uh, Elmer Fudd Nimrod. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Long story short, Aragon gets some meat from him through somebody else who bought mm, it. Gets some meat from him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and makes his way back to his 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 little his little his little farmhouse. Okay, it's outside the village. Uh, they live alone. It's him, his uncle, and his cousin. Um, his cousin's name is Roran. So we have Roran, Garrow, and Aragon. Okay, yep. good good names. The, the names in this book are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He is very good at coming up with names, which I think is one of the hardest parts of writing. Right, right. There's interviews with uh, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, where he 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 hates naming characters, and he has so many. He has a lot, and he's like, "That's like the worst part of my writing is figuring out a name for the character." Yeah. And he he says the way he writes is he can't start writing a character until he has a name. Oh, yeah, it's it's a little weird. It kind of feels like that in his writing. Yeah, you really feel the character 
like embodies whatever name they have. Yeah, yeah, like Arthur Dane, Sword of the Morning. Yeah. Um, it's very, yeah, that, that makes sense. But that, that's what he says. He's like, I always uh, pick, I have to have a name and I have to have an eye color. Very uh, particular. He does describe a lot of eye color. But he has a lot of names that are very similar sounding and yes. some that are just straight up the same. <laughs> like, because there's King Robert, there's a lot of other Roberts in the story. Right. Um, because in medieval times, that's what happened. A yep. lot of people named their kids after the king. Honor the king. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then there's uh, Walder Frey, who just names all of his kids Walder. <laughs> Walder, son of Walder. Well, that's little Walder. That's big Walder. Yeah, yeah. And then there's one that's like Walden or something. It's like a slight yep. variation or something. Yep. Yeah. Walda as well. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we've come across her yet. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, he's very good at regionally naming too. Yeah, yeah. Like the Northmen are very, a specific style of name. And yeah. Like the Westerners and the Southerners, they're all, they're all very regionally named. It's very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Winter is coming. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> for real though. Yeah, for real though. In okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're uh, rushing to finish the harvest, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the meat. They got the it's like beans and all that kind beans. of beans. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually they're snowed in. Okay. What they're waiting for is the traders, because the traders come once a year. Right. And that's when the town buys a lot of its like salt and mm, yeah. Ports and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's no sign of them until one day there is, and it's settled almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I like say that. something now. Okay. This book was written when Christopher Paolini was 15. Wow, really? Yes. And it was published when he was 16. That's amazing, actually. So I can forgive a little non-tension right, right. in that scenario because it's like, it's there. Are they coming? Are they coming? Yes. Yes, they are. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, to be fair, that's very realistic. Yeah. It, yeah. it, from that perspective, that is a legitimate concern. Right. Until it's not anymore. Right, exactly. Especially, <laughs> especially in the day of no modern technology or yeah. any way to do anything else. You have to wait for right. these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the traders come. Uh, one of them identifies the stone. He's like, this is not a stone. It's hollow. But nobody that I know would want this because it's a curiosity. It's not like you right. can't do anything with this. So You'd have to I, go to a big city exactly. where people have money to spend on such things. Exactly. And he's like, I could take it for you, but you wouldn't see the funds for like two years. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to do that to you. To find somebody else to take it. Uh, and then that kind of immediately puts it out of Garrow and Roran's mind because now it's like it's not worth anything. Right. Um, but Aragon's like, no, it's the stone. It's cool. So he <laughs> keeps it in his bedroom until one day it starts rocking when he's asleep. And it wakes him up. Okay, it has a little guitar. It's yeah. Like, dun, 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 dun. yeah. 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 Um, and it hatches into a dragon. Because obviously. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Aragon goes to the village storyteller, Brom. Okay. Uh, who is played by Jeremy Irons. And in the film, not in the book. <laughs> I mean, maybe in the book. Anyway. Uh, and he says, hey, like, I heard there were dragons before. And there were. Mm-hmm. So dragons had existed. Um, they were all killed except one. Right. The king's dragon. And there was a group called the Dragon Riders. Think Jedi. They right. were keepers of the peace. They were uh, magic users. They lived forever unless the rider or the dragon died. Okay. Um, like they're, they're, they're killed. Correct. Okay. Okay. Correct. Killed, poisoned, disease, I think. It can also take them. Um but you have magic, so you have like cures for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were very prevalent over this land. And then one day, the king, Galbatorix, uh, who was not the king at the time, he was just a little rider, right. lost his dragon, demanded a new one, and was turned down because, no, we're not going to give you a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went mad. And he stole a dragon egg, raised the dragon, twisted it to evil, and threw... The acts of him and a couple of other riders called the Forsworn, which is a great name for your Swedish heavy metal band, right? <laughs> um, killed all the riders, and all of the Forsworn died due to infighting or okay, or other events. So the king is the only one left. Aragon kind of knows this because it's just like gossip, right? But like this is somebody telling it, like giving a full account, a full history, right? He also talks about uh, feats of dragons, like uh, dragon feet. Yeah, dragon feet. Pictures of dragon feet. How big they get on the internet. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to wikifeet.com slash men slash dragon. Um, 
So how, how, how big do they get? Where, how do they grow? They never stop growing. Never. Never. So if a dragon lives forever, it will eventually, I assume, outgrow the planet. That's, that's, cr- they have to stop it at some point. It hasn't happened. Well, I, I mean, as far as we know, no, but when dragons get big, big things want to hunt them because it's the biggest dragon in the world. I want that on my wall. Oh, humans want to hunt them. Humans, okay. Urgles, dwarves, elves. Right, 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 right. Everything. Okay. That was also a hundred years ago was when the king took control. So yeah. So it's a shock for Aragorn to say like, what? But I mean, if. If he took control 100 years ago, wouldn't his dragon have died when he died? Mm-hmm. But he didn't die because they're immortal. So Aragorn determines to raise his dragon. He also gets a, a list of names from Brom of dragons in history. Okay. And uh, he goes through and he's like, there was like Jormungandr. There was, that's, that's not one of them. That's a sea snake. In- oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's a great name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he goes through, there's like a list of names. And uh, the only one that... The dragon responds to is the only female name in the list. Hmm. Oh, you're a girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, he calls her Sephira. That's the name of the dragon. Sephira is a good name. Sephira is it, it is a good name for a sapphire blue dragon. Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roran gets an offer from a mill nearby to work as a miller. Okay, um, and he takes that offer because he has a sweetheart in town that he wants to provide for. Uh, so Roran leaves. He goes to a nearby town, um, and Aragon is shattered, right? His, mm-hmm. his, he's lived with his cousin his entire life. His right. people adopted him, basically. Um, they're not, they, they call themselves brothers in all but blood. Mm-hmm. Although they are blood, but they're not blood brothers. How far away is he going? Um, it's the next town. I think it's like a day's ride. That's not too bad. You yeah. can go see him. But Aragon has to tend the farm now alone. With Garrow. Mm. So he's not going to have so time to do that. He's not going to have time to do anything. Man. It's kind of like he's gone. Right. Like he'll be back because he's going to get money to build a house. Right. And he'll be back. But that's months away. Right, right, right. And being a miller, he could lose a hand. He could lose fingers. Mm. Grindstones are not forgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could lose a nose. I've heard that a lot of people uh, get their nose caught in the grindstone. Gonna put your nose to the ground. Yeah, that's what I was kind of doing that, but nah. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> a short while later, Safira has been growing and he's been keeping her secret in the woods and like feeding her. And eventually she grows big enough that she can hunt on her own. Okay. Um, this is like months and months and months later. Right. Uh, some strangers show up in the name of the city, in the name of the little town they're in is called Carvajal. Okay. Uh, some strangers show up in Carvajal. As evidenced by the chapter name, Strangers in Carvajal. <laughs> okay. And basically, they're looking for a mysterious stone. Where is it? What happened to it? Where did it go? Right, right. Sloan says, yo, yeah, Aragon had it. He lives in this farm. Fucking here. asshole. Yeah. Aragon overhears this because he's in town. Roran left and he went to town to get something. Okay. So Aragon overhears this and starts to run back to his house. But Safira picks him up and he hears in his mind murderers, fire, thieves. Right. Turns out this dragon can communicate with him uh, tele- telepathically. Okay. He uses, he uses his telekinesis. He uses his telekinesis to talk to his dragon. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a whole section where he had been teaching her the language and that kind of thing. So Okay. It's not like it just knows. It actually has to learn. And it's really kind of cool. Um, but it doesn't matter for this point of the story. So the dragon takes him away. Uh, and and hides. And then in the next morning, he convinces her, he's like, we have to go back. We can't just stay out here. We're going to freeze and starve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they go back, and the farm is destroyed. They find Garrow. He's still alive. Okay. But he is burned beyond belief, and they take him back to town, and he dies a couple of days later. Okay. That's sad. It is very sad. Long story short now, Aragon determines to leave the village and pursue the strangers and kill them. Okay. Because they killed his family. Right. Uh, he bumps into Brom and Brom's like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to kill them. He's like, how? Like, I don't know. I'm going to kill him with my dragon, with my dragon. And Brom's like, yeah, your dragon ain't shit yet. Right. Uh, and he actually can talk to Safira, which surprises Brom can. Brom can. Wow. Yeah. It surprises Aragon too. Cause he used to be a rider. Oh, oh man. <gasps> the the abs- absurd amount of knowledge he had up to this point. He wouldn't have foretold that. Aragon still has no clue. <laughs> it's 
I love this book. It's not perfect. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, a lot of people love that book. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Brom gives him a sword. Doesn't tell him where he got it, but the sword is beautiful. It's a velvish make. It has a red blade. Okay. Uh, and a ruby in the hilt. It's a lava sword. He had to uh, delve uh, 80 levels down in the mines to find it. Yeah, he had to fight a Teostra. That's from Monster Hunter. Okay. It lives in a volcano. I was talking about Stardew Valley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Two very different games. Very, but apparently they have the same sword. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, they they take off. Uh, Brom makes a saddle for Safira. Okay. Um, just like a rough, basically just leather padding, essentially. That's right, right. Around her. Um, now, you may be asking me. They're going to the city where Roran lives. Okay. Are they going to go see Roran? I would assume so, to let him know his uncle has passed away, or his his father, yeah. You know, yeah, you would think. No. <laughs> they go and they buy some horses, and then they continue on their way. What the hell? Did, did he... Brom sent Roran a letter, basically explaining <laughs> the basics of what happened, and just saying, like, be careful, they're going to be after you too. Yeah. Find out where you are. Your dad died, lol. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, that doesn't come back in this book. Right. But in the next book, you get Roran's perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, he's pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably after he finished the book, he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I better yeah. put something in there about that. Exactly. And, and, well, and, then, and then the books follow, it's kind of split between Roran and Aragon. Okay, okay. Uh, and it's, it's very, very well done, because Aragon is this writer who, yada, yada, all this power, and Roran's just a guy. Right, that's cool. Um, and it's a very, very cool like tone shift in that kind of thing because it's like Roran is also his own a hero in his own right, but he's just a man. He doesn't have magic, mm-hmm. um, and he keeps it that way throughout the series. And I love that. Like Roran never gets magic, and that's great. But yeah, from Roran's perspective, uh, some people showed up, murders his uncle, and then Aragon ran away with the storyteller of the village, and that's it. Cool. Like yeah, great, fantastic. <laughs> oh, and people are after him now. Right, um, right, right. Fantastic. So. They pass through Theronsburg, they buy some horses. Uh, one of the horses' name is Snowfire, and the other one is Cadoc. I'll get. I'll let you guess which one survives. Uh, Snowfire. Yep. <laughs> I think Cadoc lives, but they sell him later. Um, Poor old Bill. Yeah, yeah. And they cross the plains. Now, it's a whole dramatic sequence because they're miserable because it's just it's just flat. There is nothing. So it's all uh-huh. wind. There's a thunderstorm. Safira almost dies because she's flying up high and then the wind catches up to her and she can't land. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And she gets like thrown around. She's not huge at this point. She's big enough for him to sit on her like shoulders. Yeah. But she's not huge. So right. She can still get thrown around by the wind. Um, I thought she flew up in the clouds and grew instantly. Oh, yeah. No, that's in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. In the movie, she flies up into the clouds and she grows. She grows from a little tiny hatchling into this massive dragon. Yeah, because that's what the movie needed it to do. The book, she takes several years. <laughs> like, why, why didn't they just do a time skip? They should have. They really. They should've. really should so have. A couple of scenes of him teaching her the language. Yeah, and then like fast forward. But instead, she literally in in ten seconds flies up, grows big, and you know it's not a time skip because he's in the same place. Yeah. Having the same conversation. No explanation. Yep. She also learns all the language in that time, too. Because <laughs> um, she can't talk at first and then right. grows up and she can. Um, the book did it better. But that's not a surprise either. They make their way to the village of Yazwak. Yazwak. Yazuak. 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 Yep. Interesting. Um, it is completely empty. Okay. As they're riding in. There, there's no sign of life. No dogs. Nothing. Until they get to the center of town. The center of town, uh, there is a massive pile of bodies. Okay. And at the top is a baby impaled by a spear. Jesus Christ. Very vivid imagery. I didn't uh, expect that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very graphic. It's very, it's it's a tone shift. Yeah. Um, at first, it's kind of lighthearted. And then once the farm burns and Garrow dies, it's very, the chapter's called The Doom of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it shifts and you you see what the world is like. Right. Um, but that said, it's still a young adult novel, so it's not graphic graphic. Okay. Like, I think this is probably the worst thing in any of the books. They start to do what they can for the bodies, and then they see tracks, and they realize the tracks are fresh, and they're Urgle tracks. Mm. So they know that there's Urgles nearby, and the Urgles are the ones who did this because the spear is of Urgle make. Right, okay. Aragon had never seen an Urgle. He knows they exist. 
Um, there's one, the tavern in Carvajal has, uh, its horns, uh, uh has an Urgle horns mounted above the door as kind of just like, Hey, we, Oh Jesus. We killed an Urgle. We're fucking racist. Well, I mean, they, everyone is, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they they consider them like humans consider them no more than monsters. Okay. Like boogeyman. Um, it's kind of sad. Yeah. A little bit. And, and they plays into that. Um, in the later books, not in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, the Urgles are the bad guys. And then eventually it's like, what if Urgles actually had feelings? Um, <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see Lord of the Rings from the orcs perspective. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a bit in the book about one, or it, it was in the, the tower where Frodo was captured. Yeah. And one was talking to the other. He's like, after this, you know, we're not going to have a whole lot to do. So how about you and me go out over to this place? Yep. And we'll have all the grog we can drink. And... I want to see that. <laughs> I think those two end up killing themselves. Uh, they, killing they, each other. yeah, they fight each other. Yeah, yeah. Urgles ambush them. There's two, two Urgles. Okay. Uh, and they ambush Brom and Aragon. I almost said Brom. Uh, Brom is knocked out in the fight. Okay. And Aragon pulls out his bow, says a word that he's never said before, and his arrow hits the Urgle and explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the word he says is Brissinger. It's I know it as the uh, the ancient language word for fire. Okay. Yeah. So, sounds almost German. Brissinger. It's uh, the ancient language is very Germanic Norse based. Okay. Okay. But it also has some roots in very similar sounds, um, like Welsh sounds to Lord of the Rings Elvish. Mm, okay. But it's not. It's very different. But it's has similar tones at times. Um, like Atra Ester Neonotheldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds very. Sounds very Elvish. Like could have said that. Yeah. 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 So the the Urgles explode. Aragon freaks out and passes out. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know why. And Brom wakes up, and uh, they get out of town, wakes Aragon up, and he's like, yo, you shouldn't have did that. Yeah. And Aragon's like, what? And he's like, you shouldn't have used magic like that. And Aragon's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. I probably would, too. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, uh, I, I did? He's completely right. <laughs> he's completely justified, and Brom is being absurd in the scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, riders can use magic. Uh, it doesn't matter if you had magic before or after being paired with a dragon and being a dragon rider will give you magic. Mm -hmm. And the way the magic system works in this is very, very, it's almost cliche because there's other systems that do this too. But, um, there is a language called the ancient language Mm -hmm. that if you have access to magic, you can use it non-verbally, but you have to be very direct in what you want. And any stray of attention will be a disaster. Right. So they use this language to focus their thoughts and to say what they want to happen. Mm. Essentially casting magic spells. But it's saying like, like I said before, Jir de Kalfus. Mm-hmm. If you say that and you're tapped into magic, you will break the calves of whomever. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. That's also very much like Harry Potter. Um, yes. The, the words are just to help you focus. You don't. The, the higher level magic, like the dueling between Voldemort and Dumbledore, they're not saying anything. Right. They're just like, bow, 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 just shooting right. it. Exactly. Um, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on the magic system in this because I love it. Okay. It's fascinating because there's also the mental component. So if you and I are fighting, mm-hmm. I can just say a spell at you. But in the time before you die, you will have time to say a spell back at me and I will die too. Okay. So magicians are trained to use that telepathy to break into other people's minds. Okay. And once I break into your mind and have control of you, then I can kill you with magic. Mm, okay. You can't do anything about it. Right. Or I can see what you're going to do and come up with a spell to stop it. So it's only once that happens, then, uh, then two magicians will actually fight. Right. Okay. So a lot of, there's a lot of magician on magician violence in this. And it's just people standing and just like eyes closed, bracing themselves <laughs> with each other. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. kind of funny. Um, <laughs> There's one scene where it's happening. Uh, this is in a later book. There's one scene where it's happening and two magicians are facing off and then somebody just rides up behind one and stabs him. <laughs> I'm kind of picturing scanners where it's two guys with psychic abilities. Basically that. They both look constipated and then one of their heads just pops. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happens. There's there's one where um, a magician knows that he's going to lose because yeah. he's not as good at the mental combat as the other one. So he does something insane, which is uh, the spell that he uses, the other guy doesn't know how to counter because he draws all the moisture from his body. Oh, yeah. He instantly mummifies him. And D- it's incredible. That's he, a that's an ability that Aquaman has. That makes sense. Yeah, he can literally, because he controls water. So he yeah. just go up to someone and just 
and they're just like a piece of tissue paper. They look like the end of uh, Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Braum essentially teaches Aragon magic at this point. He's learning. He's He's got the training probe. Right, and, right. You know, but, but his training probe is a rock, and he says, okay, lift this rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, now do it again. Okay, now do it again. And it's just a lot of repetition. And I like this, too, because he's also starting, starting to teach him sword fighting at this point. Mm-hmm. And he actually, like, he gets branches, and they hit each other with them. And it's boring, <laughs> but it's over months, and you, you see the progress. Right. It's... I love it because it actually shows a character development. It doesn't, it's not overnight or anything like that. And there's not a montage. There's not a flashback. Right. It's consistent throughout the book. We're going to kind of speed up here because there's, we're getting into a heist. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to skip a few chapters because basically they get some provisions from another town, give them the news, yada, yada. Great. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> Nothing really happens that affects the, uh, the story. Uh, Aragon's becoming more competent. He's learning how to ride Safira. He can see, he can see through her eyes, like in the film. And I said, and I said, when we did the commentary, they couldn't. Right. He can, but the film kind of changes it a bit. Okay. Uh, Cause in the film, it like zooms up. You can see heat vision. It's like yeah, really it's advanced. Not, it's not like that. Like she does, the film does put a blue filter on her eyes and she does see blue more prominently. Right. And I don't know if that's because she is a blue dragon or not. I'm assuming all dragons see that way. Um, okay, but yeah, it's it's very much like because in the film it's a plot device to link like that to be you have to become your rider and dragon have to become one. Mm-hmm. The film or the book isn't really like that. Um, there's the whole maneuver that they do where they fight from the tail and she whips him off of her tail into the enemy. Okay, that never happens. Okay, <laughs> that's that's completely made up. I I dig it. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It'll work once. Or it won't work. Never seen it in anything else. Yeah, so there's it's, that. Uh, it's it's the it's the Holdo maneuver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. There was a line in the the Rise of Skywalker where someone is like, "Let's just do that again." Yeah. And someone is one in a million. Yeah. There's an ADR line where he's like, "No, nah, you can't do that a second time." And then there's no explanation for it. It's yeah. just like, uh, "Say that was one in a million and leave." It's like, why? She just pointed her ship at him and hit the light speed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, it's never. That's why. That's why nobody had done it up to that point. Yeah, because then it breaks the universe. Yes, yes, yeah. Also, <sighs> also, that film has hyperspace fuel, which only one other film has. Do you know what that other film is? Uh, I don't know what Solo. Solo. Those are the okay. Only two films to ever well, reference hyperspace. Fuel. Well, no, no, no. There's one reference in in Empire Strikes Back. I think when uh, Solo was like, "Let's go to Bespin." We can, I know a guy there and we can refuel there or something. He mentions refueling like one other time. Does he? Yes, I think so. I'm going to need to fact check that. And that just means I want to watch Empire again. Okay. But. <laughs> I, there, there is a throwaway line where he's talking about Bespin where he's okay. like, we can also refuel. Okay. Okay. Interesting. They get to Tyrm. Now, Tyrm is in the film. Um, I don't the, remember Tyrm at all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, the, it's the village with the fortune teller. And okay, yes, it's like yes, dusk and it's it's on the water, little piers, little piers that kind of, that's not what Tyrim looks like. Okay, Tyrim is a trade city. It has a citadel and then several le- levels beneath it of buildings it's and big place, it's huge. It's walled. Okay, massive. It's the biggest city that Aragon has seen up to that point. Okay, in Tyrim, uh, the reason they're going there is because the uh, the bad guys are called Razak, and they use a very specific oil for poison, uh, not for poison, for for torture. Okay. Uh, and this oil, when applied to the skin, will eat anything flesh-made, oh. but leave anything synthetic alone. Okay. So if it was part of flesh at one point, it will burn. If not, it'll be fine. So you could dip the point of like a metal spear in it, and you couldn't tell, because the spear is fine. Uh-huh. As soon as it touches flesh, it starts burning. And wow. That's cool. It's as long as they're not organic. Huh. Um, yeah, it's very, very interesting. But this place could only, like, the amount that they use, they figure out that they could track where the Razak live because they could track the delivery of this specific oil. Okay, okay. Um, and the the largest amount of it going to a place is probably where they are because they use it so much. Huh. Its other practical aspect is if you do certain things to it, if you do certain things to it, it, be, it takes on this, like, acidic property. But otherwise, if it's just normal, then it's used in jewelry, jewelry cleaning, stuff like that. <laughs> you want to be super careful there. <laughs> you have to do a blood sacrifice over it to make it. Oh Jesus! Okay, yeah, all right. Not friendly. 
right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I am kind of leaving things out and getting other things from other books as we right. Go. So I have more understanding of this than Aragon. I does. thought it, I thought it was like just add a little strychnine and it'll it'll even out. But it's like no, you have to take someone, cut their throat open, yep. and <laughs> let it drain in there. Yep, pretty much. It's a ritual along with a blood sacrifice. Um, they don't go into detail, but yeah, the uh, in Tyrm, uh Brom finds out that Aragon doesn't know how to read, so he teaches him how to read. They also meet an old friend of Brahms who, his name is Jode, and that's a cool name. <laughs> Jode. Um, it's kind of funny. I thought it was Jod because it's J-E-O-D, but it's uh-huh. um, It sounds like Chode. Yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know, and it's funny. But uh, he doesn't really matter to the plot too much in this book. He helps them find out where the records are and then disappears. Like okay. Um, they leave. So they find out where they are. They find out that the Razak live in a city nearby called Drasli Yona, and I'm hurrying this up because we've been going for quite a while, and we're... Oh, shit, yeah. Let, let, let's, let's go, let's go. Yep, book it, book it, book it. So they travel on their way to Dress. It's a lot of travel. This book is all travel. Right, right. On their way to Drasli Yona, Aragon uh, bests Braum in the sword fight for the first time, okay. resorting to trickery. So he is now a master of the blade. Cool. That's what Braum says. <laughs> yeah. Drasli Yona, however, is not like Tyrion. Rasliona is a walled city. It's gated, but uh, near the gate there are slums, and there is a heavy slave trade. Uh, and overlooking it all is a um, cathedral that is part of religion of Hellgrind, and Hellgrind is a series of three peaks, like three. It's a. It's like a um, almost like a butte. Okay. Where it's like this giant stone structure, and then at the top there's three spires. Okay. Okay. And uh, that religion is all about self-sacrifice. So the less attached you are to the material world, the better off you are, which means that its priests are often missing limbs and Jesus things like that because they show that, like, I don't need this. I'm a metaphysical being. Yoink. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Very brutal. Very bloody. I was going to say that's kind of like Diogenes' philosophy, but then you said cut off limbs. I was like, oh, well, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. No. no, this is very much not. And go figure, the religion about cutting off limbs is where the Razak are hiding. Wow. Man, who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you say they were bug-like? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I didn't describe them. I did in the in the commentary. But yeah. they, um, they are humanoid-shaped, but they have a hunchback because they have a carapace. Mm-hmm. Almost, like a, almost like a beetle. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a beak and like a barbed tongue and, uh, but they can speak and Brahm mentions the line. He's like, no one knows how they make the sounds for our language. Right. Cause they don't have lips. Huh? And I think it's funny that they include that because he's like, yeah, no one knows. Move on. I mean, there's birds like ravens can learn to talk and they don't have That's lips. True. So yeah, and parrots and yeah, yeah. Like that. um, I just think it's, I just think it's kind of funny that Christopher Palini thought enough ahead to be like, okay, this is a problem. No one cares. Yeah, <laughs> they weird as fuck. Kill them. Yeah, exactly. But they also have bulbous eyes, like huge glowing eyes. They're luminous. They reflect a lot of light. Right. Okay. Um, they're very, very good at seeing in the dark. So they go to Hellgrind and the Razak ambush them. Okay. Uh, in the chase, they make it outside the city. I'm sorry. They don't go to Hellgrind. They go to Drasleona, the city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I misspoke. And the one person don't at me. <laughs> the Razak ambush them. They escape the city and... They make like they run as far as they can and they make camp for a night. Okay. Um, while they do that, the Razak ambush them again. Damn. And Brom dies by throwing himself in front of a knife that's meant for Aragon. So okay. Razak threw a knife at them. Uh, Brom dives in front of it. They are saved by one person whose name is Murtek. Okay. Who fires a bunch of arrows at the Razak and scares them off. Okay, I think I remember him. Yeah. He's the edgy Sasuke-looking... I suggest you leave quickly. Yeah. Yeah, although in the book he's Scottish. I suggest you... Fuck. I suggest you leave quickly. <laughs> there you go, okay. I was... I'm, out of I'm out of practice, man. Yes. And actually they identify him by his accent later, and it's pretty funny. So, um, I skipped a lot of this book so far. Like, a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, there seems to be a lot more detail than the movie so far, but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I've, I've skipped, like, there's a part where Aragorn breaks his hand when they're sparring, or, well, like, before they spar, so then he has to spar with his left hand, so then he becomes ambidextrous with his hand. Mm, okay, um, okay. Because he can't do anything wrong. Um, and Brom dies, they bury him, uh, they dig basically dig a pit in sandstone using magic, Okay. bury him in it, and then Saphira turns it into diamond. Okay, so that was at the end of the film. That was. Yeah. Um, 
And this is about the halfway point of the book. So they, they just had him die at a different point then? Pretty much. It's not... So at the in the film, that happens, and then they immediately go to the Resistance, and then there's a final battle. Right. There's a little bit more in this. Okay. Uh, because they switch the order of some things. So uh, in this, that happens. Then they... Aragon has a dream of the elf from the beginning, and they... They happen to, Brom had a contact that he was going to meet. Okay. Who lived in a city called Gilead, which is northeast okay. of Grassland. It's also, that was lifted out of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's a few names um, <clears throat> that are like that. I like it for a city name, though, as opposed to a person. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, take it or leave it either way. So, Brom had a contact in Gilead. That's where they were going to meet um, when they were ambushed in Grassland. Mm-hmm. So they continue to go to Gilead. Um, they are, once again, ambushed in Gilead. Goddamn. Yeah, it keeps <laughs> happening. And this time, Aragon is captured and drugged. Okay. In the prison that he's taken to, which is in Gilead, which is where they were going, he finds the elf princess. Convenient. Very. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and he's like, I didn't think she was real. I just dreamed about this woman. There, there, is a, there is a rule in writing, which is you can always use coincidence to get your characters into trouble. Not out of it. Not out of it. Yep. And he does that. He does not. It's not coincidental any way that they escape. Because they do escape. Because of course right. they do. Because the book doesn't end here. Um, but w- was he trying to find her before? Or is this just he sees her and he's he, like, I'll he help had, you out. He, he, he was dreaming about her. And he like flippantly remarks, like, maybe we should just check every prison. Um, but he doesn't think she's real. Okay. He's okay. Like, he's like, the dream is so real that I feel like she's real. But like, he has no idea. Right. Okay. Um, we know that she's real because we saw the beginning. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's no indication as to whether or not she's an actual person, you know, existing or anything like that until he sees her in Gilead. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's like, Oh, there's magic going on here. Like something's happening. Right. Right. Um, it's not explained in this book why he was dreaming about her. It is kind of explained in the last book or the third last. Okay. Third book. Third book. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, long story short, Brahm was Aragon's father. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And that's you find that out after a fake out of saying somebody else was his father. Okay. Well, they're like the king is your father. What? Morzan, the king's uh, the the leader of the Forsworn. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Like, yeah, he's your he was he was your father because he's Mur- Murtag's father. Morzan is Murtag's father, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, Morzan had a consort who was Aragon's mother. So huh. they were him and Murtag are half brothers. Right. But, but it's not the half he's thinking of. Well, right, because they're under the impression that they're full brothers. Right. Until they find out that, no, they are half brothers. Okay, okay. Um, but that's over the course of three different books. Did Braun know? Braun knew. Okay. I just called him Braun, not Braun. You but did. yeah. He did know. Um, he did not want to distract Aragon, um, but he wanted to live close enough. So, <sighs> <laughs> we're going to go into the backstory here. Okay. Braun, Dragon Rider. Yeah. Dragon was killed. Yes. Brom started the resistance, the Varden. Yep. Okay. Uh, Brom, through a series of adventures, plotted to destroy the Forsworn, and that's how they all died, except for the ones who died from, like, infighting and that okay. sort of thing. And he got a sword from killing another dragon he got rider. got a sword from killing Morzan. Okay. It was Morzan's sword. Morzan is the big bad of the Forsworn. Right. Galbatorix is the king. Morzan's the second in command. Morzan is Murtag's father, and, and he has a consort named Selina. Okay. Selina is Aragorn's mother. Selina is Murtag's mother. Okay. Um... Brom in, infiltrates Morzan's palace as a servant. Mer, Morzan knows who he is, but he's almost never there. So Brom disguises himself, infiltrates himself as a servant, and then basically plots to plots to kill Morzan. Right. But falls in love with Selena. They bang. Selena becomes pregnant. Okay. Selena goes back to her home in Carvajal, which is where we started the beginning of this book. Right. Um, and gives birth to Aragon. Gives him to her brother Garrow. Okay. Who's Aragon's uncle. And then disappears because she is basically, think Mara Jade. She's like the Emperor's Hand. Mm, okay. Morzan trains her in magic a little bit. I like it. I like it. It's pretty cool. She dies. Okay. Um, No one really knows what's become of her. Brahm's devastated. uh, Kills Marzan. Takes his sword. Hides in Carvajal. Mm -hmm. Knows that Selena went there and had family there. So he knows, and he knows she was pregnant. So he knows Aragorn's his son. Mm -hmm. But it's better for Aragorn if he disappears. Right. So he becomes the village storyteller, has no connection to Aragon, um, but he wants to live close enough to see him grow. Okay. There's a scene where Aragon uses a bunch of magic 
and almost kills himself. Okay. And he's out for like three days. During that time, Brom talks to Safira and tells her everything. Okay. But says, you have to promise me in the ancient language that you won't tell him until he finds this out on his own. Okay. And then I have a message for him once he does. So if you promise in the ancient language, you cannot lie. You have to tell the truth. So Safira says, I promise. So she can't tell Erica. So she knows the whole time. Okay. But he doesn't. Um, until he finds out later. And then Safira's like, I, I'm so glad I can tell you now. Right. It's like, you've been having such an existential crisis for two books. <laughs> and I have the answers, but I can't tell you. It's very like R2-D2 knowing that yeah, yeah, yeah. Darth Vader and Luke and all that kind of stuff. But like, he just never tells him for some reason because he wants to watch the world burn. Or when he has the map to where Luke is yeah, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. arbitrarily wakes up at some point. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah that. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what happens. So Brom knows and Brom does take steps as his father, but not in the first book. Right. So Aragon is traveling with Murtag now. They go to Gilead, they get captured. Murtag saves them. They fight the shade from the beginning, Durza. Okay. And Murtag shoots him in, the, in between the eyes and he vanishes in a puff of smoke. Awesome, you killed him. They didn't kill him. Right. Um, you did him in the heart, right? Yes, yes, you okay. do. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you see, you remember. I remember some things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they rescued the uh, the elf. Her name is Arya. Mm. It's spelled differently, but... Okay. Yeah. Um, she is a princess of, of the elves, and she was chosen to guard Saphira's egg, and when Durza ambushed her, she sent it... She tried to send it to Brom, mm. but she sent it to the Brom's next of kin. Right, okay. On accident. Um, cause it was a very imprecise magic and she didn't have a chance to, uh, uh, like focus the spell. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So she is poisoned with a very specific poison that has a very specific antidote that only the resistance have. Okay. Called the poison is called the skill in the Brock. Hmm. Uh, skill in the Brock. And the antidote is Tunivor's nectar. I know this book way too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So basically, they have to cross the desert, get to the Varden as fast as they can, because the Varden live in the, they call them the Boer Mountains in uh, in the movie. Okay. But they switch them. It's it's B-E-O-R, so it's the Bayer Mountains, not the Boer. Oh, like okay. They, they, okay. For some reason, Jeremy Irons messed up that pronunciation, because he only says it once. Right. Um, the Varden are in the mountains. Arya mentally talks to Aragorn and gives him like a, a map, basically. Okay. Um, so I used to go to the same youth camp every year. Okay. I would, I had a digital camera right? and the one year I held the camera to the car window and just held the shutter button and it just took f- a photo like every few, every few frames. Okay. And I had the entire trip in a photo album. Interesting. I, it was my first year with the camera. I'd never taken pictures before. And I was like, this seems cool. Click, click, click. click. <laughs> click, click, click. How much memory did it have? Um, like four gigs, maybe eight gigs. What was the, so how many photos altogether was it? Uh, a thousand-ish. A thousand, damn. You didn't go very far then, did you? It was like four hours. Four, there's no way. There's no way a picture every few seconds for four hours is a thousand. I don't know. This was like, <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe it's like a picture every five seconds, maybe. It was five seconds because you could see the previous picture, like. Like, in, in the picture, you could see where the next picture was. You held the camera for four hours there. Out the window, yeah. <laughs> I was bored. I don't know if I believe that. That's that's a feat. It was fun. That's sheer willpower there. Yeah, and then I would scroll through, and I'd be like, oh, man, I remember this drive. <laughs> 80% is just trees. It was a uh, highway. Oh, okay. 80% of it was highway. Okay. Um, yeah, I had to take, uh, not 80, is 86 or whatever. Um, the one that goes from Erie to Jamestown. Yeah. And then Jamestown crosses over to something else. While they're running through the desert, a group of Urgles is chasing them. And I say a group, it's a horde. Okay. Uh, so they're being pursued and they, they make it through the desert. They make it through the mountains and they end up on the door to where the Varden are, which right. is where Aragon says, Jir to their Um, and the Varden kill all those Urgles. Okay. But they're super suspicious of them because they showed up with a bunch of Urgles. Right, 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 yeah. Bruh. That, that would be the perfect cover. Yeah. It's exactly. like, hey, just pretend you're chasing exactly. us and That's we'll just get do. in. Yeah. So they have people. It's the Varden's policy to have uh, two magicians examine the minds of anyone who comes in. Okay. So they do. And they realize that Aragon knew Brom and was being trained by him and was told to come here by Arya. Like, they, they realize he's telling the truth and they show up with Arya. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, we rescued your princess 
we're really here for good reasons, I promise. Right, right. Except for Murtag. So Murtag had been trying to run away the whole time, but there really wasn't a chance that he wouldn't have been pursued. Right. So he ends up going there, and that's when they find out that he is the son of Morzan. And the way they find out is because he has the same accent as Morzan. Hmm. And okay. And is like, Ajahad's the leader of the Varden. He's like, I, I know that voice. Right. Only one man had that voice, and he gave me this scar across my chest. Hmm. And Murtag's like, oh, convenient. I have a scar on my back that's the only thing he gave me, aside from my accent. Right, right. Um, so Murtag hates him, but, like, obviously, he's the son of the Forsworn, so he can't be trusted. So they hold him in a cell. Right, okay. There's a lot of politics in this. They meet uh, the dwarves who own the city where they're hiding. It's a city inside a mountain. It's called Farthendor. Right. Um, and the city's called Tronchim. The mountain's Farthendor. The city's Tronchim. Dwarves weren't in the film at all. Yeah, no, I don't remember them at all. And they don't add a lot to this book. Okay. They're essential to the rest of the series. Okay. Um, and I think they were going to add them, but yeah, in this book, you can I, I can see why they didn't put them in. Um, doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Aragon befriends a dwarf named Oric, who is the nephew of the dwarf king, whose name is Hrothgar. 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 Who, uh, Hi, Hrothgar. Hi, Hrothgar. Who uh, holds Hammer Volund. Okay. Um, and it's very, very Norse, and it's great. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and they're very stereotypical. There's, they're gem miners, um, but they're different dwarf clans. There's like 12 clans, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and they all do different things. So the clans that own, the clan that owns Farthendor and Tronchim are the gem miners and the delvers. Um, they're called Durgrimst in Jitam, which is clan in Jitam. Okay. Um, and they're the, the metal workers and the miners. There's a, a clan that is in charge of farming. There's a clan that's the religious order. Um, they're called the Swelden Rakanuan. There's a... Uh, uh, a clan that's like specifically about trading and they all they all have different things and they all work together um, to fill, uh-huh. build the society. It's really, really cool. None of that's in this book. Um, it's really sad. <laughs> that's all expounded on in the second book. Uh, and Durgrams, Durgrams Quan, I'm sorry, is the, is the religious one as well. The Dracon one are like the terrorists. <laughs> I love how... <laughs> I love how happy you are to recite all this. I know! I know! <laughs> I'm so enthusiastic about this book. I want to do more. But like... I don't want to do more, so I'm telling right, you. Right, I'm right, right. Um, <laughs> and we are almost done here. So, uh, long story short, Aragorn has some good relations and some bad relations. Um, he gets a suit of armor, right? Armor for Safira from Hrothgar. Okay. Because they know there's a battle coming. They surmise from letters that those Urgles had who were chasing them that they were supposed to meet somewhere and that they were going to attack the Barton. Mm-hmm. So they know that they're going to be attacked, so they start preparing defenses. Long story short, there's a big battle. They also find out that Durza isn't dead because they didn't shoot him to the heart. Okay. There's a big battle. Uh, it ends with Safira and Arya on the top of Farthendor. And there is a giant ruby... Well, it's a star sapphire. It's a red sapphire. Okay. Uh, massive. Like hundreds of feet across. Jesus! <laughs> it took the guy who to, who who carved it out of because it was just it was just an unpolished rock right he carved it uh it took him i think 30 years jesus and he died as soon as he finished it right um his wife left him as well um Uh, it's like michelangelo yeah painting the sister like he crippled himself because he dedicated himself that piece of art yeah yeah very very similar um and it's hanging in the ceiling too yeah so aria and severe are up there Safira's kind of injured, which is why she's there and Ari's like helping her. Okay. Aragon is at the bottom and Durza appears and they 1v1. Aragon is no match because Durza has all this kind of magic power. He's super, super, super strong. Right. Uh, but Arya breaks the star sapphire and as it falls, Safira breathes a bunch of fire and it's distracting enough that Durza looks up and Aragon stabs him through the heart. Cool. And I completely rushed through the end of this book. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's battle stuff, it's and battle that, stuff. We, we always rush through that stuff. Exactly. They fight. The book ends with Mer- with uh, Aragon having a massive scar across his back Okay. Um, because Durza slashed him, and that will plague him in the future. It also matches Murtag's scar, which he has. Hmm. Uh, so when they find out they're brothers, it's like, oh, but we have the same scar now. Because um, they don't know that in this book yet. Right. Uh, it also ends with uh, a mysterious entity telling Aragon to come see him in the elf city of Elismera. Hmm. Okay. Turns out that's another rider. Spoiler alert. Cool. The last of the riders who was a teacher. Uh, and he wants to teach Aragon. Is he the last of the riders though? Well, there's Gabatorix. He was the last of the old order. 
Okay, um, okay. So there was Brom, who was a rider, but he lost his dragon. This is a rider and a dragon. Okay, uh, okay. Galbatorix. So this is the last of the old riders, and then there's Aragon. Mm, okay, that's it. okay. Um, and then there's the king. So that's the end of the first book. It is Star Wars: A New Hope. Right. Yeah. Plot no. Point for plot point, beat for beat. It's uh, uh it's a uh, it's very very simple plot. Yeah. Uh, which I think are honestly the best. My favorite yeah. stories are the very simple ones. And they, I mean, they took something the size of Star Wars A New Hope and made it 600 pages. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's very detailed. It has a very well thought out magic system. There's a there's a disclaimer in the magic system as well because there is a dictionary in the back of each book of right. the words that are in the book. And it says like, this is the magic system that Aragorn has been taught. This does not mean that it is the complete system. Yeah. It, it means that there are grammatical errors. And in this book, Aragorn makes an error and blesses a baby, but it ends up being a curse. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and then he fixes it later. But yeah, it's it's very like, it, the book grows as the author grows the world. Right. And it's so cool to see. Uh-huh. Um, instead of just having everything already be established, um, the, the understanding of the world changes. As the books go on. That's neat. It's very, very cool. Cool. But that is, that is the end of Aragon. That is not the end of the series. Um, he also, he just wrote a sci-fi book that I want to check out. Yeah. Um, it's called To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, which is a very pretentious title. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's narrated by Jennifer Hale. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, and apparently, by all accounts, it's pretty good. It has some pacing issues. Yeah. Because um, it's a lot of, a lot of it is spent on travel time and then... It seems like they could spend more time doing other things, but those other things just kind of rush through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's not perfect, but considering he was 15 when he wrote it, he did have a professional editor. Yeah. But he was 15 when he wrote it. Fantastic. I mean, you compare this with the Eye of Hargun, because yeah. he, he was 16 yeah. when he wrote that. Yeah. So it's like a world of difference here. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good, very good comparison. Yeah. So on this show, we have a rating system for the books we read. At the end of every episode, the person who read the book must give the book a rating based on their experience. The rating system consists of five levels. The very lowest level is toilet paper. The book is only worth the physical material that it's made of, if that. The second level is shampoo bottle. It's something to read if you've got nothing else to do. The third level is Ikea manual, competent but not entertaining, or vice versa, entertaining but not at all competent. The fourth level is Kindle Pick. Uh, We recommend you buy this book discounted or electronically. And then the highest level we can give a book is Hardcover, Instant Classic. We recommend you buy this book right away. (laughs) I'm not even going to try whatever you said. Atra Esterian, but roll your R's. Esterian. Close enough. What would you give Aragon? I know what you're going to give Aragon. <laughs> you're going to give it a hardcover, right? No. No? No. Okay. I'm going to give Aragon a Kindle pick. Because okay. Because I love this book. Right. For me, it's a hardcover. Okay. But it is very cliche. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've heard the story before, even without this episode. Yeah. Um, there's no surprises in it, really. Um, it's very by the numbers. Very safe. Very, very safe. This first book is. Um. The rest of them, they do open up and they do get better. Mm-hmm. But I would say that this first book is a Kindle pick. Okay, okay. Uh, because it, it it obviously has room to grow. It was written by a 15-year-old, which I've complimented so far. It is also a bit of a detriment because it doesn't do anything new. Right, okay. Um, it's a very, very, very safe. It's a very consistent. It's a very, um, it is well thought out of a story, but there's a lot of it that's like, a lot of it they put in and then they retcon later because they realize that if you thought that through, it wouldn't work. Yeah, so okay. Justify some different things, which is fine. And it shows, I mean, it's growth of the author and all that kind of stuff. And he does improve as an author. Um, but this book is not by any means perfect. Right. Well, if you guys want to write in uh, about this episode or about any other episode, you can email us at a page too far at gmail.com. That's a page T-O-O far at gmail.com. We also have socials. We have Instagram at a page too far, Twitter at a page too far. We have a YouTube channel where we post all of our regular episodes. Uh, that's uh, you just search a page too far on YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, subscribe. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Even if you don't listen to it on there, just, you know, give us a little bump that we'd appreciate that. We also have a Patreon. Uh, we have a lot of stuff on our Patreon. We give a, a bonus episode every month. Those uh, tend to be longer than our regular episodes. 
Uh, we go way more in depth. We don't cut as much out of the episode. We also have outtakes, which are basically blooper reels, stuff we have to cut out of our regular episodes, and we'll put those together uh, every month and put it up there. We have footnotes, which are long tangents, or we just want to talk about a, some topic that wouldn't fit in a regular episode. We have one coming up that we're going to release uh, within the next month that's all about the series Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to try and do that as like a full episode because it started yeah. as a footnote. Yeah, yeah. But it went like three times as long. It was like 50 minutes, which is yeah. like a regular episode. So yeah. we're, we're probably just going to release that. We're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus and we might pause the Patreon. Yeah. And we're thinking of a couple things we can release during that time. We want to release uh, that footnotes just free for everybody. Uh, and also possibly do like a best of for the every, first 50. Every podcast has to have a best of. Yeah, it's, it's mandatory. Uh, so check us out there. Uh, we stream sometimes, game, uh, game too far. I think TV slash a game too far. I think we, we've streamed every time, but we have streamed every time, but you haven't been there every time. Yeah. I haven't been there every time and the audio hasn't been there every time. No, but we've <laughs> so, been there. so check us out at twitch.tv slash a game too far. Yep. Uh, we have days for now, but, um, it'll probably change Yeah, with the hiatus. That's going to have to change. Yeah. Um, but right now it's Wednesday nights. Uh, check us out there yep. next, uh, next Wednesday night. Hashtag Bobo lives. Hashtag Bobo lives. Hashtag themed. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag that. Which is how Christopher Paolini ends his interviews. Oh, really? About these books. It means may your swords stay sharp. <laughs>